good to be with the family for another family reunion, and here we are together. I want to give you a greeting in the name of Jesus, just the way you like it, because we're not quite all the same in the family. There's different kinds of people, right? So, those of you who are hugging people, in Jesus' name, we're going to give each other a hair, air, an air hug, but I don't know which ones you are, the huggy people. Who likes to have hugs, the classic hugs? You classic huggers? Okay, go, go on. All right, air hug right now. Clap. Oh, no way. Ah, all right, there we go. And then there's some of you guys who, who uh, you know, classic hug's not the thing for you. You want to have kind of a manly, you know, grab the hand, pull it in, shoulder bump. Okay, so which, which, which are you the shoulder bump guys? Oh, you're a shoulder bump guy? All right, there we go. All right. And then there are those of you who, who don't like the, you know, have the hugs or the shoulder bumps, but you want, and, I, and you are my precious sisters and brothers in Christ. I'll do it the way you want. Fist bump in the air. All right. There we go. Fist bump. All right. Just the way you like it. Okay. So, like I said, we better get on to the message here. <laughs> After... So we are a family, we've come together to think about our Lord together all over again uh, this, this Sunday to worship him and honor him, and that's what we're going to do. Um, we are going to have a dialogical message. Dialogical message means that there's going to be give and take, all right? You're going to say stuff and I'm going to interact with what you say, all right, that's the way it's going to go. Now, as soon as I said that, there are some precious brothers and sisters that, are, that may be thinking, oh, gosh, I hate saying stuff in front of people. <laughs> I hope he doesn't point at me. Well, don't worry, I won't. You can just go ahead and talk just the way you want to, and you can just volunteer. But sometimes I lose my head, and I might just, like, point at you, and see, you're already nervous. And... <laughs> And I might put, so let me just give you uh, like some, uh, this is what you can do as insurance just so that you don't have to, you know, be so uncomfortable. If I lose my head and I do point at you, all you have to do is say, hallelujah. You don't even have to say it any louder than that, you know, just hallelujah. And then I will go, hallelujah, amen. And then I will go, and you will shout, hallelujah, amen. So you want to practice with me just a little bit? Okay. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. And then I'll just move on. And you don't have to be embarrassed, and you helped your entire family praise God because that's what hallelujah means, praise God. How good is that? So that, all right. So that's how we'll do our dialogical message. And um, now there are three main uh, questions I'm going to ask. The first main question is, who is the Lord of the harvest? So that's what we're going to be thinking on. Now the second question is, what is the harvest anyway? You're going to be thinking on that. And then the third question is, what is... Does the Lord, did the Lord tell his disciples to do with regard to the harvest? 
And then we're going to do that. So, now everything will be based on, like, all of the Gospels. But in particular, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and I, through 38. And I'll read it uh, to you right now. I think you have it up there, too. Look at that. Really big. Okay. <laughs> Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on him because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. your turn. Here's the first question. Who is the Lord of the harvest? Someone said God. Yeah, he's the Lord of the harvest. Very good. Anyone else want to uh, uh, dispute that? <laughs> It's a family reunion after all. <laughs> okay, God is the Lord of the harvest. Now, let me, let me drill down on that question a little bit more. What, what is, when I ask who is the Lord of the harvest, what does he do? What is he like? What, what's his character? Who is the Lord of the harvest? Jesus, I like that. So it, it almost seems as if we have two people who are the Lord of the harvest. But here's, here's how it happens. Jesus is like the son of God doing his father's work. In those days, all the sons did the same work as their fathers did. Doing his father's work. And so, yeah, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. And he reflects his father, God. In fact, if we want to be technical, Jesus is the very word of God, God's very ability to communicate having become a person so that we could see in a way that we can understand exactly what God is like. That is wonderful. So yeah, When I think of the Lord of the harvest, I like to think uh, that Jesus is an inclusive teacher. And what do I, what do I mean by inclusive? Well, um, in this passage of scripture here that I read, there's a, like a really cool little word. Some of these little words are important. Uh, Jesus went through all. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Now, Jesus was in, in Capernaum. Capernaum is a, a port town on a really big lake, kind of like one of our great lakes. Maybe not even, well, it's pretty big. Anyway, Jesus is on the port town, and 
And surrounding that town, a day's walk in every direction, are like other towns and villages. Now, we don't know Israel very well. So what we're going to do is, is, is do what we do know, and that's we know Polk County, okay? And human beings divide themselves in the same ways. There's, there's towns, there's cities, there's metropolises and towns and villages. So let's just, let's just kind of think of Jesus coming to Polk County, okay? So what towns would Jesus visit in Polk County? Go ahead. Monmouth. In fact, the first service, Monmouth is the very first one. That's, that's where we are. Mon yeah, Jesus would visit Monmouth. Where else? Independence. If you're going to visit Monmouth, you have to visit Independence. Where else? Dallas. Dallas. I heard of Dallas, yeah. Uh-huh. Rick Rial. One stoplight Rick Rial. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, in fact, we'll, we're going to get to you later, Rick Real person. <laughs> There's West Salem. I didn't even know that West Salem until I looked this up. West Salem is a part of Polk County. I didn't know that. And Willamina. Who knew? Well, you probably knew, but I didn't know. Um, and so, but, well, those are towns. But now... I want you to give me some villages. See, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Jesus was inclusive, and he went to villages. So give me some villages of Polk County. And Rick, one stoplight Rick Real is one of them. Okay? Any more villages? Falls City? Buena Vista? Where? I didn't even hear that. D-E-R, Deary. That's not even on my list. Is that really a, a village in Polk County? Okay, I'll, I, my list isn't comprehensive, so. Oh, good, okay, all right. See, so Jesus went there. Where else did Jesus go? Perrydale, yeah, Boston, Perrydale. Petey. I was thinking about opening up a Bulgarian restaurant in Petey, you know. <laughs> But, but Carol, my wife, thinks it's not a very good business model, business plan. She could be right. Stapleton, Valley Junction, Zena, Hopeville, Louisville, McCoy. Have you heard of those? Oakdale. Here's the point. Jesus went to places, even though they were small, even though they were insignificant in the eyes of the world, he went to those places. And why? Why do you think he went there? Why do you think he went to Petey? Huh? Because there are people that were broken in those cities, as well as Dallas and Monmouth. But there are people in Petey. <laughs> there are people in... Airly and Boston. That's what kind of Lord we have. And so he's an inclusive teacher. So he's a teacher. And what did Jesus teach in their synagogues? Pardon? He taught, he taught the good news. I'm glad you mentioned kingdom. I'm glad you, because Jesus, when he taught, he taught 
how to be a citizen of the kingdom. He taught us how to be subjects of the kingdom, not in the sense of topic, but subjects in the sense of there's a king and subjects bow before the king, follow the king, obey the king, and it's a good thing for everybody concerned. Okay? So he taught us to be subjects of the kingdom. One of my favorite things that Jesus taught, see it, so we're in Matthew 9 right now, but just in Matthew 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, it has samples of what Jesus taught when he went to these places. And one of my favorites is when Jesus taught about murder. <laughs> you know, Jesus basically said, everybody knows that murder is, is bad. You murder someone, you go to judgment. But Jesus said the kingdom isn't like that. In the kingdom, murder isn't even a consideration. It doesn't even enter our minds. To go to judgment is, is if you do some, what was that, that called? Where you, yeah, bullying. You could bully someone and go to judgment. If you are angry with someone and call them a bad name because you're mad and you want to make them mad, oh yeah, that's Supreme Court judgment for you. And if you think of someone as a worthless fool, and you call them that, that's hellfire. In the kingdom, murder, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's way better. In fact, Jesus revealed something about God, his father, that, that not a lot of people understood or knew at the time. Jesus says that you can go to worship. You can give your offering. You could be thinking, wow, God is awesome and so wonderful. He gives me so much. I want to to give him something of what I have. I'm going to text 97,000 right now. Monmouth, 97,000. Jesus says, his teaching means you can be in the middle of texting 97, and then you're getting ready to do the three zeros because you want to send thousands of dollars because you love God so much. Jesus says, if you're in the middle of texting that, and at the same time, you somehow remember someone has something against you. That so-and-so someone, eh, I probably shouldn't have said that about her on the Facebook thing. I was upset. And now she's upset at me. Here I am. I'm, I love God. I'm going to send him my offering. And I remember that. Jesus says, here's the way God is. He wants you to stop texting right now. Because for God, worship is going back <laughs> and making things right with that person that you offended. Clearing the air between you and them. And then you can come back and text 97,000 and offer your offering to God. That is the kind of teaching that Jesus gave. And who knew God thinks that people are that important. In the last service, three people got up at this point and left the room. I, would, I don't know why, but I would like to think that they were going, wow, here I am. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to worship the Lord God, 
And I have, I have uh, some people that I've offended. I'm going to go and make it right with them right now. <laughs> so, Jesus, Jesus knows what God likes, and he taught the kingdom. Jesus, I just want to say right now, uh, in your name to everyone else, on behalf of the rest of my family here, I just want to say that we love the way you are. We love the way you are, the way you think. Stay with us and help us become like you. In, Jesus, in your name, amen. So what is the Lord of the harvest like? What's his character? I want to I think with you some more on that. It's your turn. Yeah? Merciful. Yeah. Someone, Jesus is merciful. My goodness. I mean, <laughs> what you deserve, what I deserve, given... Uh, the kingdom, what we found out about murder, and you know how maybe we treat people. <laughs> well, he treats us, and he wants to get right with us, even though he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> He's merciful. Thank you. Any, anything else? What is the Lord of the harvest like? What? Compassionate. Compassionate. Yes, in fact, we're going to get, thank you. You've read my mind. <laughs> yeah. And so what? Yeah. Pardon? Unconditional. Unconditional. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that connects with, with my, my merciful brother. Yeah, he didn't even do anything wrong. And, and God and Jesus did wonderful, sacrificial stuff for us while we were still enemies with him and not very smart about it. <laughs> yeah, unconditional. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's some more things. I like to think of, of Jesus not only a, a, an inclusive teacher, but he's an inclusive preacher as well. My, my sister said he, something about the good news. Well, the difference between teaching and preaching is preaching is announcing announcing something that people don't know. And what Jesus announced in Petey and, and, and Oakdale and Rick Rial, Jesus announced that there is good news. And the good news is this. God, God's reign, his rule, with Jesus as the appointed king, begins right here and right now with persuasion. Later on, there's a little bit, a little bit of power now, but later on, <laughs> there'll, there'll be lots of power. But right now, the kingdom begins with persuasion. Good news, he announced. Now, we say kingdom a lot, but we don't necessarily think about what it's like. Well, whenever you hear kingdom in the Bible, think this. God is reigning, ruling like a king, a good king. We don't have a whole lot of examples of that, but a good king, ruling and reigning, and it's the will of God. So whenever the will of God is happening, the kingdom of God is right there. 
Whenever something is going on that God wants, that's the kingdom of God. And we are his subjects. He appointed Jesus as a king, and so when I say subject, I mean we are bowing before our king, and our minds, we think the way he thinks, and our attitudes are being changed so that we have his attitudes and his emotions about things, and it even affects our bodies. We do different things because Jesus, his Father God, they are ruling, they are ruling in us, and then it spills out on other people who aren't even in the kingdom yet. There are people right here in our family, as we're having a family reunion, there are people whom God led to take children they don't know, whose parents are having a hard time. Sometimes little babies, so that the little babies can at least feel safe and be safe while their parents get better. Sometimes children who are a little bit older, who just don't have a family. There are people among us who decided to take those children and give them a family. Is that God's will or not? And there are other people helping them to do that. And then all of us, every year we give, we buy diapers. <laughs> Isn't that, is that God's will or not for people who need that? That's the kingdom. Uh, and there are so many examples. Now, um, <laughs> Jesus, I want to say on, on, for everybody's behalf again, uh, or uh, we like your style, we like the way you are, we like the way you rule, and we want you to rule more and more in us. Take over our bodies and have it affect other, have it affect other people in the way that you want. In your name, amen. Who is the Lord of the harvest? It's your turn again. What is he like? What's his character? Holy. Yeah, there's no one else like him. No one else like him. He is not touched by Satan. <laughs> He's not influenced by, by the darkness. He's very different than everyone else. He is holy. And those of us who, who become his citizens, his subjects, we are holy too, <laughs> devoted to him. Our bodies is for nothing else but his services. But for his service, holy, thank you. Anything else? What is the Lord of the harvest? Ah, and I didn't see you, but everything written in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. So, so whoa, I uh, lost my thing. Love 
is, uh, does not, one, one of those is, is love does not count, doesn't keep, a, keep an account of it, the wrongs against it, you know. So love is not a very good accountant. <laughs> yeah, love doesn't boast, is that right? Love believes all things, hopes all things, yeah. So the Lord of the harvest is, is love. He's a lover in the, in the best sense of the word. Sometimes we don't understand what love is. Well, you look at him, you could understand it. Well, when I think of the Lord of the harvest, one of the things I think of is an inclusive healer. And I, I love, because it, 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 it incorporates the love, you know, with, with, with his healing ministries. And now you already know what I mean by inclusive, but the healing, wow. If you want to know, just turn to chapters 8 and then the first part of chapter 9, and there's some examples of, of people that Jesus has healed. There's, there are places in the other Gospels where we have Jesus healing people because he loves them. He went all the way to PD to heal people, okay? And, and we have those examples. Um, what does that suggest? Oh, in fact, I'll just, I'll just read. There's another little word that's really important in this. And, uh, and I think the word is every. So let me make sure I'm right here. Don't want to steer you away. And, and healing every disease and sickness. Have you thought about that? What that really means? Every disease and, sick, and sickness? What does that suggest about his abilities, about his character? Anybody? Pardon? Generous. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I think about, he's not only generous because he went all the way to Petey. He didn't have to do that. You know, a doctor can, can have a very good practice just in Dallas. And people in Petey can come to Dallas. <laughs> so Jesus is generous to go all the way out there. But also, I'm thinking of Jesus as powerful. Because it's every, okay? So people come to him with a foot problem, and he heals the foot problem. People come to him with a, with a, a, a back problem. There's a lump on their back, and he heals the back problem. People, whatever problem he has, Jesus doesn't just say, oh, gosh, you know, you know that's a, like a nervous system disorder, and, and I, that's not my specialty. I don't do nervous system disorders. I'll tell you what. I'll give you a referral to a good doctor in Dallas, <laughs> and you can go there. He didn't even do that. He didn't have to do He's a general practitioner, Jesus. <laughs> And can do everything. Do you know what that means? When the same person that can do everything like that is king? Someone who can, can heal a leper and do mental, uh, mental diseases. There was a guy that was, that, that was uh, demon-possessed. Now that's a real problem. So he could do that. 
He didn't refer him to a psychiatrist. <laughs> so, give me an example of your favorite healing. It could be from any of the Gospels. And, and, and kind of tell me why. Your favorite healing. Pardon? John 3.16. So, for God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son... Uh-huh. Oh, I see. You're, you're talking about the healing of the disease so they will not perish, and, but they may have eternal life. And the, so the disease is sin. Now, can, you find, can you figure out a problem that's bigger than that? And Jesus can give, can trade, you can trade sin and get for it righteousness for eternal life. Yeah, that's, that's a really, I, didn't, I was not expecting that. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, brother. I was not expecting that, but yeah, now I know what you mean now. Yeah. That's the main healing. But it's almost like anticlimactic to go to the other ones. <laughs> yeah, ruined my sermon. <laughs> no. So, yeah, so, Let's have another one. The leper in the road. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. So in, in case if you're visiting and you don't, don't quite remember, so, so this guy has leprosy, all right? It's not even really a skin disease. It's a nervous, you know, a nerve disease. You know, they can't even feel anything. And, and, and it kind of gets gross in the advanced stages. Things fall off, Okay. <laughs> And, and in, you can't be in society. There's a, you know, so you have a leper. Uh, before he became a leper, he had his wife, he had his children, he had, he, he had his job. And once he gets, he's a leper, he has to live, he has to be somewhere else. He cannot, his life is completely changed. And he probably hasn't been touched by a person affectionately in years. And Jesus could have, I like this one, Jesus could have, he could have went, zap, <laughs> you're healed. But he didn't do that. Jesus knew that it would be great to just, to just touch him. Everybody else is afraid of him. Jesus isn't afraid of him, he just touches them. And the first thing he felt for a long time was Jesus' affectionate touch. Now the guy could live with his family. You see what I'm saying? There, there are social ramifications for all this. Oh, yeah. The man with the shriveled hand being healed on the Sabbath is what he said. Ha, I love that one. You, you know why I like that? Because Jesus is kind of ornery. I mean, he's a teacher, but he's also kind of ornery. He didn't have to do that on the Sabbath. He could have waited until the next day or did it the day, the day before, but he's kind of ornery. He knew that there are some people that haven't read 1 Corinthians 13 yet. <laughs> he knew that there, there are the kind of people right in that synagogue who are the kind of people who didn't have sense enough to rejoice 
when someone had a shriveled hand being healed on the Sabbath because obviously God did something. And he wanted to teach. And he's kind of ornery. He likes to have fun that way. Yeah, I can see. I can see why you like that. <laughs> well, that is the way our Lord Jesus is. And that's why we come together for a family reunion every week to celebrate him and his character and what he's done for us. Lord, I'm just going to speak on behalf of everybody. In fact, if everybody wants to talk to you right now, it's fine. We love you. The power that you have and the range of things that you could heal, my brother said, sin, for the most of all, yes, yes, yes. May your kingdom come, the way you rule, come right here. Rule in us and through us and have it spill over on other people who aren't even in your kingdom yet. Okay, the second question. <laughs> Don't worry, uh, it won't, the rest of it won't be this slow. The second question, what is the harvest? Jesus is talking about a harvest. What is it? People. Someone said people. And then someone else said people. Someone in the last service said people. And you're all three right. <laughs> the harvest is not grain, it's people. People that Jesus wants to gather because he's a 1 Corinthians 13 sort of loving sort of guy. What kind of people? What kind of people? All of them. Very astute. Very good. All of them. In fact, he thinks in ways that we don't because some people, when they think of all people, they don't actually think about all people. They're not inclusive like Jesus. They hadn't even thought about people in Petey. <laughs> they hadn't thought about people of different colors, maybe. People in different religions. My goodness. But Jesus thinks about all of them. Um, when we think about people, uh, the, the people that Jesus uh, was visiting up in Capernaum by that lake, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Give me a modern example of people who are harassed, let's say. Christians. Very good. In China, right now, there are Christians being harassed there are Christians in prison, and they've been in prison for a long time. They love Jesus, and that's why they're in prison. Of course, the Chinese authorities are right. We are a little dangerous. <laughs> Jesus is going to rule. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, uh, an example of people who are harassed. Modern-day example. Jewish people, yeah, yeah. Jewish people are still harassed. Oh, my goodness. If, if you are in Israel, you are misunderstood. Uh, 
Being nice to Israel is not the rage these days. <laughs> How about helpless? A modern example of people who are helpless. Orphans, widows, and immigrants. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You own nothing. You've come with nothing as an immigrant in society. Helpless. No, you know, your relatives might be in some city you don't even know how to get to quite yet. Orphans. We, we talked about those. You know, briefly, yeah. Any other examples of people who are helpless? Unborn. The unborn. My goodness, you haven't even been born yet, and some people are trying to kill them. Helpless people. How does our Lord respond when he sees harassed and helpless people? The word... In English, is that he had compassion on them. It's from this uh, uh, Greek word, esplogniste. Esplogniste. And it means had compassion on them. <laughs> Jesus had compassion, you know. But, and, and it's a, we have a good translation, but in English, we don't have all the stuff. When we just say the word compassion, we don't have all the stuff that we need. The, the Greek word had some other ideas that, that we need to have. Every one of us has felt this way. Something wrong has happened. Some, it's not right. It's dark. Shouldn't have happened. And it's against or with people close to you. And so you're, it starts in your chest and it starts, starts to move. You can actually feel your insides. It starts moving with this thing that you're thinking about. It's happened to every one of us. And then things begin to swell. And you know, it just goes up, up your chest. And, and I'm not a doctor. I can't describe you know, everything. But it does go up. And you can feel it swelling. You can even feel it. It goes all the way up into your throat. So that if during that time you, you try to talk, it's hard to talk and you sound funny. Okay? You might even say, because you just can't talk, you just can't get it out. But then when you, when, you, when you collect yourself enough so that you talk, everybody knows that you are moved with compassion. Everybody knows that there's something wrong because they can hear it in your voice. There is something there. And then it goes up, it goes up to your eyes, okay? So all the pressure, and then there's this liquid in your eyes, and your eyes get so full that you know if you blink one more time, you're going to have a tear, and everybody will know that you're upset. One more blink. That's happened to me in, uh, on good occasions. I'm sitting where you are, and I am worshiping, and the Lord has been so good to me, the whole process has happened, and then boom, there I am. I'm moved. I'm visceral, viscerally moved because of the goodness of God, but the very same thing happens when there's something wrong. Uh, 
And that happened to Jesus when he saw people who are harassed and helpless. That happened to him. And so we know what he sounded like when he said, the harvest is plentiful. When I was in high school, I, I had lots of memory verses. And I was in a, we had memory verse contest. And this verse was one of our memory verses. And here's how I said it. Uh, I said, uh, and, and Jesus said to them, uh, the harvest was plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech, that was the word in those days, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest field. Boom, I won, I won. I won the, the memory verse contest. I know more verses than the other kids. <laughs> but that's not the way Jesus said it. Jesus was being moved from the inside viscerally because of the horrible things that he knew were happening to people. They didn't have a leader. They didn't have him yet as a leader. And so when he said it, his disciples were really listening. Right? It wasn't a normal situation. His disciples were really listening. They're looking. Their Lord is upset. He has tears. They knew this is really important. And then he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. His voice is breaking. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into his harvest field. So, I have this, uh, this thing coming up. Jesus with his disciples, he asked them to ask, and they did ask. And in chapter 10, he told them, I want you to only go to the Jews. <laughs> some, <laughs> I, I, I want you only to go to the Jews. Don't go to the other nations. Don't go to those Samaritans. But it wasn't because he didn't like Samaritans. Don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go to the nations. Just go to the Jews. No, he did that to fulfill prophecy. Because later on in Matthew 28, we know that Jesus said, now go to the Samaritans. Go to all the nations. Go to all the nations. Same thing. He wanted people to be reached for him. And so, when Jesus said go to all the nations, we weren't, we're not talking about Guatemala or Senegal or uh, Pakistan. Those are political countries. When Jesus said, go to all the nations, we're talking about ethnic groups. Jesus had ethnic groups, people groups in mind, not national boundaries. And there are thousands. There are 12,000 uh, ethnic groups, okay, in the world today. Now, when you look at this, um, 
when Jesus says, when Jesus is looking at harassed and helpless peoples, that's what this chart is, is about to explain. It's kind of like a pie, only a pie is divided up in even, uh, even pieces if you have a nice family. <laughs> but this pie is, is divided up in regions of the world, so it's uneven. And so you see those big, you know, China's pretty, a big slice. India has a big slice. Muslim-majority countries have a big slice right there. And then there's some smaller slices. Well, that's the world. That's the population of the world. And the size of the slices are the amount of people in that particular slice. Okay? And then, so you see the orange here? The orange are people like you and me, people in our family, in our spiritual family, people who are are subjects to King Jesus and want to obey him and want the kingdom to, to spread through them to other people, okay? So that's the orange. Um, and then the yellow are people, if you talk to them, they would, tell, they would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But, well, they don't follow Jesus, they, they just don't really think about it. They don't know any better. They just don't know Jesus very well. But they, they think of themselves as Christians. Okay, so that's the yellow. Now, in the green, those are people that are culturally near Christians. So they speak the same language. They, they, they are the same culture. They have the same uh, similar ways and so they can, they're people within reach of the message, the good news, okay, of the announcement, okay? But you have the two blues, right? You have light blue and you have dark blue, all right? Light blue, all of the blue are people that are culturally distant from Christians, culturally distant from us. They speak a different language. In fact, they... They have such different ways, we just don't understand each other yet. People in the light blue don't have very many Christians among them. In fact, people in the dark blue just are not going to hear the message because they're completely cut off from Christians, okay? So here's what I want to say. Um, everything in the orange and the yellow and the green, that's cool, and there's a lot of work, and most of the work most of the work that we're doing in Jesus' name for the kingdom is in those places. That's good and fine. But I'm here to tell you this morning, make no mistake, that Jesus is also thinking about the people in blue in a way that perhaps we haven't been. Jesus is looking at them and he is moved with compassion, he wants the good news announced to them as well. Jesus goes to Petey, <laughs> you see? And so I'm here to help you have the same heart that Jesus has, you and me, all right? So here's the last question. What is the first thing that the Lord told his disciples to do with regard to the harvest? 
pray. Yeah. Jesus said to ask the Lord of the harvest. Thank you. That's the first thing because that is where the power is going to come from. Why did Jesus ask his disciples to ask him to send out workers? You know what Jesus did in chapter 10? He sent his disciples out and gave them the power to heal and, and to cast out uh, uh, diseases and demons. Here's the reason. Jesus wants his disciples to think and feel the way he does. And so as an exercise in spiritual growth, he says, ask me. Ask me to reach those people in the blue. And so that's what we're going to do. You know what? I, I, I have the, the next slide up here is those are prayers. We are going to actually, once I get done talking, <laughs> we are going to actually get together and do what Jesus asked us to do when we think about those other peoples. We're going to get together in groups of five. <laughs> uh -huh. and, and if you have to be distanced from them, you can just distance and still be in the same group. We're going to get together in groups of five, and we're going to pray those prayer requests. You don't have to do it in the exact words, but for those kinds of things. I gave you two of those prayer requests. They're frontier people groups, people groups who have have very little chance of hearing about Jesus and having someone to help. They're helpless. And, to, and, and they're both in, in Afghanistan, Afghanistan. I picked that because it's in the news lately. And, and they're two unreached people groups. Not all Afghanistan people are the same kind of people. And Jesus is thinking about ethnic groups. And so um, um, the southern Pashtun people, we're going to pray for them. And then the, the Aymakh people of Afghanistan, Afghanistan. But there's another prayer request up here that I want you to notice. We, as, as, as the family of God, right, right here in Monmouth, we want to be a part of what Jesus is doing for unreached people groups. We want to look at people who are harassed and helpless too, and we want to send somebody out. And it's a big deal sending someone to another culture. It might be a child. I don't know, is there a child in here? <laughs> It might be you. you maybe, maybe there's a child we are going, they're going to grow up. Maybe we're going to send them to Bible college, help them have all the training, and send them right, from right here so that we can take part in this too. That is something our family can do together because of Jesus, because we're learning to be like him, and it's the way to do it. So Jesus asked his disciples to pray for the very first thing, and we're his disciples, that's exactly what we're going to do. In groups of five, we are going to pray uh, these prayers. You'll know when we're done because I'm going to pray uh, a prayer at the very end, uh, out loud for us all.
tape and, and your kingdom stuff and that way. If it's not for you, who else is going to think about when those people? That's just what we like about you. We want to be like you in that way. Because that, uh, that we raise up a, a child, a youth, or someone from this congregation. with us as we make these, these steps uh, to obey you. First, to ask for your power. Thank you for being with us, no matter who we are and where we are. Thank you for letting us be your children and participate in the family business. And we want to imitate you and be concerned about people that nobody else is concerned about. Yes. We want to be just like that, and we want to use your wealth that you give us. We want to use your energy, intellect, heart, everything in the name of your son, Jesus, that your kingdom may be here and you be glorified and everyone will roll the way you roll. Everyone will have your style. That, that will be lovely. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.